Uh, can everyone hear me? Fantastic. So um, my name is Clancy Kramer, for those who don't know me. For those who do know me, just a reminder, my name's Clancy. Okay, Eric? Hi, Clancy. Um, so that video that we watched, the video that we watched earlier, they're both just so incredible. Like, I, you don't need to really listen to me at all today if you just heard anything from those two videos. It's absolutely incredible. So, um, as Robert pointed out, this is my third time, not my fourth time. So hopefully I can bring the expectations down a little bit. Um, I don't know what I'm doing. Preaching um, sermons is really weird. So I wanna, first of all, just thank you for letting me practice and go through this you know, time. Um, it's meaningful uh, to me um, in preparation for all of this. It's been just both a blast and a really huge challenge. Um, so I just wanna thank you um, for letting me do this. Also, it's weird. I hope all of you get a chance to preach at some time. Um, for me, it's been like, how do I figure out how to say everything I know about Jesus in 15 minutes? Like that's been my struggle, which is, I mean, when you, when you hear it said aloud, it's really funny. But like, that's what I've been trying to do and I can't do it. So there it is. Um, but I mean, today, I just want to be an encouragement to you. So that's, that's all I want to be able to do. So why don't we jump in um, to the scripture. So we're going to be in Romans uh, chapter 3, verses 21. For those of you that were at InterVarsity, you're going to hear the same thing twice. <laughs> um, so if you have Bibles, go to it. If not, read it on the screen um, or just listen. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By the law of works? No, but the law of faith. So I was praying through this yesterday and trying to figure out how to talk about what I want to talk about. And the difficulty I was having is what I feel like I have to mention is unpopular and I don't want to talk about it. Um, I would frankly just rather avoid it. And what I want to talk about is sin. Um, sin is complex, you know, People speaking up here have used it in a way of talking about other people and how they're wrong. And if you, you know, are involved in the club that I talk about, then you're okay, but everyone else is bad. And that's not okay. And I don't want to talk about sin in a way that 
leaves you feeling shame for the things that you can't overcome or any of that. But the only way I can talk about what I believe Paul is describing in this passage is to mention sin, because everything is in comparison to that. Um, And one of the difficulties in talking about sin is that I don't fully understand it. I can't comprehend all the different ways that it exists in the world or in my heart or in my neighbor's heart or in this congregation or in this nation or in the other nation, you know, down the street. Um, And, but I I think for those of us who have said, you know what, Jesus, I want to do, I want to follow you, I want to pursue you with my life, we have to say that sin is an issue that needs to be dealt with and that we can't do it. Um, And Paul, in describing, oopsies, oh, thank you. Paul, in describing to the Romans, describes it this way, that there is no distinction. He's writing to both Jews and Gentiles, um, and in that church at that time, the church was probably started with uh, Christian Jews that were kicked out of Rome for like 15 years and then came back. And Paul's writing to them at this point. So, you know, the Christian Jews leaving, you know, the Gentiles actually taking leadership of the church, and then the, the Christian Jews coming back. This letter, you know, when I was first saved, I would, I would read it and I would think about it as this like great pillar of systematic theology. And there would be like a sentence or two and people would argue about it. And, you know, struggling through this text the last couple of weeks, it's been a good reminder um, to me that Paul was writing to them because he loved the people who went to the church in Rome. And he wanted them to understand the grace of God. So what I'm talking about today is not just one thing. It's an entire uh, uh, letter that will help understand what Paul is trying to say. So, um, so there is no distinction he's describing between Jews and Gentiles. There is no distinction between you. It's all kind of the level playing field. And he also says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And for me, uh, and this is kind of a confession, I am able to see the sin in others before I'm able to see the sin in myself. Even on the walk over here, you know, I pass by this neighbor's yard. Every time I pass by that neighbor's yard, I see the new sign that makes me, you know, judge them and think, well, I'm not going to vote for that person because that's in, you know, in your yard and I know what you believe. I've never met this person. And I have contempt in my heart against them because of what's in their yard. And then later, just to put more fuel in the fire, I see someone else who really kind of did me and my family wrong, and I still have unforgiveness in my heart towards them. And what I believe Paul is describing is that they and and myself are in the same boat. We're on the same playing ground. If what God says is true here, it's also true for them too. And I have no leg up. 
I'm not, you know, better than they are. Um, and it's really difficult for me to say that because I'm, I, I get angry, you know, and I get self-righteous. And I see that person and I say, I, you, you don't understand how you're wrong, you know. And that's not helpful, and nor is that, you know, is that, is that, you know, yeah, nor is that helpful. But I find that it's easier for me to see that in others than it is to see, see of myself. Um, so, one of the things I want to say today is there is no us versus them. There are people in your life, I'm guessing like mine, that you are able to see the sin. You're able to see how they've fallen short, how they've either been hurtful to themselves or to those around you. And I just want to say, because of what Jesus did, there is no us versus them. The playing, we're on the same playing field. We're not playing against them. We are all accepting what Jesus did for us. Um, and sin is too much for, for any of us. We can't do this on our own. And when we make enemies of our neighbors, we're saying, I expect this to do on your own, and I expect what you don't see or what you believe to be what disqualifies you from the love of God. So, hey, okay. So, um, earlier this month in the state of uh, Ohio, there was a, um, a train wreck, literally a train wreck. Uh, have you guys heard of this? And um, my brother lives like 15 minutes away from here. And um, the people of his community are struggling because, you know, I think the people in charge did what they could after this train was, you know, on fire. And... There was chemical in it that was hazardous, and they had to like set it on fire, otherwise it would have exploded, and they thought everything was okay, but some of the chemicals got in the water table, and that water table is making its way throughout the community. And it's now in the Ohio River, and that um, Ohio River, the, the chemicals are making its way towards the city of Cincinnati. So water is difficult, and I think this is a great image for at least for me to understand that sin is not something that we can win. We can't, we can't overcome it. Like, we just can't. And this is, I think, a great representation of how things can happen. Like, the world as it is is too much for us. We need each other, and we also won't be able to overcome all of it forever. Um, and I just want to say that that's, that's okay. It doesn't make it any less brutal or horrifying or um, troublesome, but like we we can't overcome this stuff. So Paul continues to say, "We are justified by His grace as a gift." through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And 
one of the tricky things um, for me is be, I'm a performance-based person. I love to achieve. I love to do all the things. And the entry point for me and Jesus is not that I can achieve or believe the right things or think the right thoughts or know all the trivia like Brendan Manning said. It's the fact that I admit that I, I can't do it. Um, and my wife yesterday texted me, um, you know how it is, potato, potato. And sometimes we can read things like this in scripture and go, yeah, I got it, I've heard that before, but we actually don't internalize what it actually means. And I just wanna say, even though you've probably heard it before, potato, potato, is that the entry point that we have for Christianity, for following Jesus, is admitting we can't do it all. We can't be that person that eats us up in the middle of the night. We can't overcome the sin you know, that we have in our hearts. So I just wanna say it, make sure everyone hears it, so you don't have those thoughts, because Jesus wants us to know who he is and what he's done. So when Paul is writing about there is no distinction for all have fallen short of the glory of God, we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. The equation that we have is to receive this thing by faith. We don't have to necessarily do anything. He has made us right with God. He has justified us. He has made us be okay, um, and I think it's a great thing. Um, and later in the next chapter, uh, Paul uh, writes describing um, Abraham as a good understanding of what it means to be, um, to have faith. And this is uh, in the message translation, um, and it says, this is why the fulfillment of God's promise depends entirely on trusting God in his way, and then simply embracing him and what he does. God's promise arrives as pure gift, that the only way everyone can be sure to get in on it, those who keep the religious traditions and those who have never heard of them, for Abraham is father of us all. He is not our racial father, that's reading the story backward. He is our faith father. We call Abraham father not because he got God's attention by living like a saint, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was nobody. I, um, I don't know about you guys, but when it comes to when I think about faith, I always think about I need to believe more. I need to, you know, read the Bible more. I need to have God more central in my thoughts. And I think what Paul is saying is, is actually the opposite. It doesn't mean that it excludes those things. It just means that our faith is received as a gift.
It's us saying, yes, Lord, versus us coming up with the bright idea to follow him. And from my understanding, he's saying that faith is grace and it is a gift. It's something that we're able to just agree with and say yes. And it's not something of our own invention. It's something that we've been able to come alongside that God has given us. And I think that's just great. I really do. Um, and from that, because this is a, a gift that we are given, um, we have no ownership over God or other people because of what we accomplish. Meaning, I don't have possession of God. It's not the Clancy God. I'm saying yes to, to him through faith because of the gift that he has given me through grace. That doesn't mean that I am in a bad place. It just means that the gift that he has given me is a wondrous thing. And it doesn't make me better than my neighbor. It doesn't make me better than you. It doesn't make me um, better than someone else. Everything that I have been given is grace. Um, and if you can leave with anything today, it's just that. And it's, a, it's very simple, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, but I, the... One of the tricky things is I can't claim credit for that. I can't be more special. I can't be more spectacular. Um, I can't overperform. I just have to say yes. And I think one of the reasons that um, it could be like that is that Paul describes God as wanting to be the just and the justifier. And I think it is in God's nature to be absolutely perfect. And God loves us so much. And in order for his perfection to be able to, to deal with us, he had to take on flesh, suffer, sacrifice, have his blood cover the sins of us. And, um, and that is just, that's an awesome thing. The fact that he wanted to be both just and the justifier, so we wouldn't have to actually overcome the things that we can't overcome. Does that make sense? Okay. And when we're, at least for me, when I think about this, I think about this as something that happened in history, and it happened, and then it's done. And then today, it's like, okay, intellectually, I understand it happened, you know, 2,000 years ago, but what does it mean for today, you know? And what happened through the cross and through resurrection is not done yet. Yes, we are justified, but we're also being sanctified because of who Jesus is and what he did. And in scripture, it talks about how Jesus, even now, is interceding for us. And there is a passage in Hebrews that I really like. And it says, consequently, he is able to save the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession, intercession for them. And God, although we are justified, is still interceding for us, meaning Jesus is praying for us even now, um, which is just a head trip, if you think about that. Like, it's bananas, absolutely bananas. Um, and 
one of the things um, to go back to faith as, as a gift. Um, in this passage, the word faith is a Greek word described as, as pistis. And pistis is always a gift from God. It never can be produced by us, which is also a head trip and absolutely bananas. Meaning, when we have faith, it's not necessarily just us doing it. It's a constant gift from God. So we're receiving that while we're, we're saying yes. Um, the image that I like to think about is if we can imagine Jesus in the other room and hearing Jesus praying for each one of us individually, that I can hear him praying my name on behalf of me to his father. Like that sort of intimacy of Jesus is absolutely remarkable. The fact that God wanted to be both just and justifier, yet he's still interceding for us. That the faith, the faithfulness of, of Jesus Christ for us didn't stop then, it's continuing now. So, if anything, um, some takeaways for this week is grace is a gift. Faith is a gift. Just receive it. Take it in. Don't worry about believing more or not believing enough. Your sin is always going to be a problem, but it's been dealt with. And Jesus is interceding for you while this happens. He knows what you suffer. He's been through it all. And it's not just potato, potato. Um, and before I end, does anything, does anyone have any questions, anything I missed that you guys want to talk about, anything worth mentioning? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, because you, you heard the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sweet. Thank you. Anybody else? All right, will you guys uh, join me in the closing prayer? I don't know if you have a slide. All right. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Ah.